You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. Deloitte and Equifax continue to find themselves under scrutiny, but we should all resist the urge to chase ambulances. The SEC commissioner gets a grilling from Congress, and we can't help wonder if his spidey sense was tingling. Chances are your credentials aren't as secure as you'd like them to be, and Pyongyang is perched on a pile of coal. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, September 28, 2017. Deloitte continues to deal with the consequences of its recently disclosed breach. Many of those consequences are foreseeable piling on, as lawyers see with some justification, regulatory gaps exposed by the incident, and as security researchers put the Big Four consultancy under the microscope and find all sorts of places where the company hasn't followed its own advice. Those include proxy login credentials out on Google+, they've all been taken down now, VPN credentials on GitHub, thousands of hosts exposed on the Internet, as seen on Shodan searches, and so forth. Such results are practically inevitable for an organization as big as Deloitte, which may or may not be comforting. There's no further word on whether the breach is more damaging than Deloitte's initial minimalist characterization makes it out to be, but the company and similar organizations are sure to receive a great deal of scrutiny in the coming weeks. Turning to the other two high-profile breaches, the Equifax incident produces fresh waves of hand-wringing and learned helplessness over the use of Social Security account numbers as elements of identity management approaches. Those old enough to remember getting their first Social Security card may also remember the advice prominently printed on the card, not intended for purposes of identification. So it seems the new dealers who set the Social Security system up under President Roosevelt may have seen something like this coming back in the 1930s, and we forgot their sound advice somewhere circa 1995. As Chesterton said in advice to reformers, if you come across a fence whose purpose you don't understand, wait until you know that purpose before you decide to tear the fence down. The biggest lesson emerging from Equifax is the importance of sound incident response preparation, especially with respect to disclosure and public communication. Federal News Radio offered some good advice on this. Quote, First, go public with breaches as soon as you can. Otherwise, it looks like you're covering up. Crappy cyber practices eventually come to light anyhow. You don't need a a 5,000-a-day crisis management expert to tell you that. Second, realize that bad cybersecurity is as inimical to your job as crashing the mission. The Equifax mess has apparently also prompted what Palo Alto Networks deplores as ambulance chasing. Palo Alto CEO Mark McLaughlin explained to Jim Cramer on Mad Money 
that ambulance chasing means approaching a hacking victim and telling them that you've got the solution that would have kept them out of trouble if only they'd been smart enough to hire you. McLaughlin said, quote, What happens when you have major breaches like this? First thing is, we don't chase the ambulance. Nobody in companies appreciates that, so if your security company's dialing in the next day saying, first of all, I could definitely have stopped that for you, or something along those lines, you're going to be ignored. After the fire is out and you're thinking about the architectural design for the future, that's where we get to come into play. End quote. And that's probably advice worth considering for anyone in the security sector. For better or worse, passwords are still fairly ubiquitous when it comes to online credentials. How you choose them and how you store them can make all the difference in the world, especially with large databases of breached passwords readily available on the dark web. Trip9 oversees the Threat Intelligence Programs Division at Komodo, and he shares some of the credential compromise trends they've been seeing. Everyone's familiar with a lot of the big breaches. LinkedIn, Dropbox, Adobe. However, what a lot of people aren't familiar with is how hackers are using, let's say LinkedIn, for example, in 2017. We're seeing most of those hashes cracked since they were unsalted MD5 hashes. And it's very easy to uncover the plaintext passwords and also search for particular employees in an organization. So that third party we're seeing do a lot of damage. It's kind of a weird side door. Uh, that hackers are using to get into organizations. Take us through exactly how does that work. Okay, so what a hacker would be able to easily get a hold of is 170 million records, uh, LinkedIn records, I should say, on the, the torrent network. They would just query for particular domains, for example, company ABC. And then from that, they get the MD5 hash associated with that email address. And they would just take that over to a, a cracking site like hashkiller.co.uk, entered in, and near 100% of the time, that hash will be cracked. And they'll find the actual plain text password for that employee. And then they can use that to brute force attack the organization. The way that most people deal with their passwords is they'll use the same phrase over and over again, maybe modify one or two characters, but it becomes very uh, easy to reverse engineer and figure out what the present day password is. One of the things um, that you study is password psychology. That's uh, that's something that's interesting to me. How do people go about choosing their passwords, and what are some of the common mistakes they make? Well, most people in my own research only use two or three variations of the same word over and over again for years. And what they'll do is when they're forced to change their password, they will uh, just, if they have a numeric character in their password, they'll just go up one digit. And what that tells a hacker is, you know, for a third-party data breach that might have happened a year or two back, uh, they know that they can just count down in digits to try to brute force into a particular uh, application. What are some of the other techniques that you see in common use? To switch into direct attacks uh, in contrast to third-party attacks, we're seeing a particular piece of malware called a pony exploit, which has been around for a few years. But we're seeing it become more and more advanced. It's very well engineered through botnet attacks. We're seeing it just wreak havoc on enterprise organizations. In fact, any U.S. enterprise organization, over 1,000 employees, we usually find records, stolen records from pony exploits near 100% of the time. 
And that could be their customers, that could be their vendors, their partners, or their internal employees. And so how do people find themselves infected with this? We're seeing a lot of companies that we talk with, they had no idea that, you know, their director of HR, it was a phishing attack on them. But the malware itself, it's not like ransomware where, you know, you got the skull and crossbones that come up and demand money. These silently just go in and they take copies of actual credentials that are stored inside of the browser and then they exfiltrate it. Sometimes the code has an auto delete uh, functionality built into it. So it leaves without a trace. Some of it is advanced enough to really evade uh, more legacy endpoint detection. So what is your advice for folks to protect themselves against these kinds of things? First piece of advice would be not to store your passwords inside of Google Chrome, at least right now, or Internet Explorer or Firefox. Most browser-based password managers are very vulnerable. I would recommend LastPass or another uh, password manager that has more security. And also, these particular types of exploits, they don't know how to look into those uh, those files hmm. of those third-party password managers. There's no localized copies of the password stored onto the machine. I see. So be very careful about what passwords you store inside of a browser. That's Trip9 from Komodo. Turning to the Securities and Exchange Commission, the U.S. Senate has been hearing from, and more importantly talking to, the commissioner this week. They've given him a grilling over the Edgar breach the SEC recently disclosed, but the senators have also been giving them some direction. The upper chamber is uneasy about the SEC's coming regulatory regime, the Consolidated Audit Trail National Market System, CAT-NMS, This system is designed to enable auditors to track all trading activity in the U.S. equity and options market. It will encompass the exchanges, other federal regulatory agencies, and industry bodies as well. And it appears to turn the financial sector into a panopticon for all of its participants, from Wall Street to Main Street. As Senator Mike Crapo, a Republican from Idaho, pointed out to the SEC commissioner, that's great power and great responsibility, so they'd better get it right. You don't have to be J. Jonah Jameson to think that the Edgar breach suggests the SEC won't do as well as Peter Parker. The breach of Sonic remains under investigation. Sonic, of course, is the chain of drive-ins headquartered in Oklahoma that has almost 3,600 locations in North America. It appears that the incident might be linked to the roughly 5 million pay cards that just turned up in the Joker's Stash, a dark web market run by and for Carter's. Fast food restaurants handle a lot of pay cards, which makes them attractive targets. Since last year, Chipotle, Wendy's, and Arby's have all been hit. North Korea's got a lot of coal it can't sell. Coal has been the DPRK's principal export for some time. We hear that they're sitting on $9.7 trillion worth of the stuff. That's trillion, with a T. Anyone who's got anything worth stealing online should look to their defenses. Pyongyang's especially interested in cryptocurrency wallets these days, and those nuclear and ballistic missile programs aren't going to pay for themselves. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. 
Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Dale Drew. He's the Chief Security Officer at Level 3 Communications. Dale, good to have you back. Um, uh, You wanted to talk today about some patterns that you have noticed and uh, wondering if uh, maybe we're in a lull before a storm. What do you want to share with us here? Yeah, so my my goal is not to carry the the sign that says this is the end of the world. (laughs) Um, However, there was a study just released by CNN that says that four percent of uh, surveyed Americans were worried about the the eclipse. Mm. Uh, so I want to be careful in the in the language I choose not to alarm anybody. Right. Uh, but um, you know, I, I think I think our concern is from a trend perspective. If you look at some of these massive global events, you know, cybersecurity events that have occurred, um, you know, about five years ago, we we would have a you know a massive uh, security event. You know, once every four to five years. You and know, how some, would you how would you define massive? What I would say is something that that impacts probably more than three to four countries at a time. Mm. Um, and so, from an internet service provider perspective, our our sort of uh, issues were when there was a, a major uh, defect with a with a routing provider. You know, for companies, it was if there was a a major defect that affected all versions of Windows or all versions of uh, Unix, and they were all publicly exposed. You knew what every security organization was doing because everyone had to sort of group together to figure out how to uh, block and tackle and and then patch and and prevent uh, during those sort of uh, times. And, you know, we'd see those every four to five years. About three years ago, we saw a trend where that was happening roughly every 18 months. Bad guys were being more diligent in researching really, really old code. And the the nation states do it because the nation states want to find exposures that have the most uh, access across the internet infrastructure or the the corporate uh, infrastructure. Bad guys are learning from those techniques, and they're also researching really, really old internet code and really, really old operating system code to find a way to have as much accessible infrastructure as they possibly can, either for infrastructure capability, you know, I want to build a huge botnet, um, access to data, the more systems I have, the more PII and confidential information I can find, 
um, or for extortion. I'm going to, you know, we've seen a huge surge with uh, WannaCry and Petya of, of spam ransomware. I'm going to encrypt 600,000 machines at once and then ask for $300. And if I get 10% of the people respond, that's better than a targeted attack uh, against a few corporations. So our biggest fear is in the first half of 2017, we've already had two major global security events uh, that have impacted, in one case, hundreds of thousands of victims, the other case, uh, tens of thousands of victims. And so we're definitely seeing a shift in the professional bad guys employing more and more nation state techniques to be able to gain access to more infrastructure. This is something that from a, you know, what do you do perspective, this is something that really is going to rely on more vendors to make sure that they review their embedded uh, code to look for those exposures the same way the bad guys are and hopefully find it faster. And for companies and corporations and network providers to spend more diligence in protecting their infrastructure, um, having a patch process so that when an exposure does come, you know how to block access to it, patch it and prevent it and uh, to stay diligent on people who are trying to access that infrastructure. So when you can't uh, prevent, you have to monitor. You know, so, so diligence, I think, is the key in the coming months and coming years. All right. Dale Drew, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.